When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. We are deep into January with just about a week of the transfer window in January remaining. Uh, transfer deadline day is approaching and it could be a busy time, especially for Chelsea because they're signing everyone or trying to sign everyone. We'll talk about that today. We'll talk about Dusan Vlajevic. We'll talk about Spurs and their transfer plans in the remaining weeks of the window. We'll talk Milan Skriniar and a number of other things. West Ham's irons in the fire will be a topic as well. If you're a West Ham fan, we actually have some news for you today. Toby, how are you doing? What a massive win for West Ham. Massive, massive three points against an Everton side who were frankly terrible, let's be honest. Um, Huge win, a bit of confidence for West Ham going into FA Cup tie against Derby, which potential banana skin because Derby are on a real good run of form, but just what was needed uh, ahead of possibly some signings coming in before the end of the month. We will see what happens with West Ham. Graham, how's it going? Good. Busy last week at the window, I'm anticipating. So, uh, yeah, all all good. One of the best weeks of the, of the year, really. In January, though, is it? I think this one will be. Yeah, I think we can expect... Um, Top six, bottom six. Yeah, there are so many possible deals going on. You know, I think the 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 relegation battle means that they're all doing business down there. They're all trying, and the battle for top six as well. You know, there's not many teams who won't be doing anything really. Um, even City have done a little bit. United, yeah, there's potential for every club not still to do anything. But by the time window finishes, every Premier League club will have done something, which is a bit unusual. It is indeed. Uh, we'll talk probably for a large chunk of this opening section of the show about Chelsea, uh, but we will not start there, although they are relevant to the conversation because they're relevant to every transfer conversation about every single player in the world at the moment. But before uh, we get into the show, uh, subscribe to Talking Transfers and all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey as well for all the latest transfer news. Go to 90min.com as well for the latest from us and the entire team at 90min. Now, one story we put out on the weekend, Graham, was uh, Dusan Vlajevic's potential availability. Uh, Manchester United are looking for a number nine. They are not the only team looking for a number nine. Chelsea, obviously trying to sign everyone, as I've mentioned, probably looking for a number nine long term. Bayern Munich, interested in Harry Kane, but also looking for a number nine. Paris Saint-Germain potentially in the mix as well. Arsenal wanted to do Sam Vlajevic this time last year. Uh, but Juventus 
have been hit by a 15-point penalty for some transfer irregularities, let's put it that way. And I don't think that we've heard the end of that. That ban or that that penalty could be lifted, depending on appeal, but it could also be upheld. And as far as I understand it, that could not be the end of it either because Juventus have done some other bad stuff and it could end up getting worse. But uh, Dusan Vlajevic is a player that they signed last January turns 23 before the end of January as well, and is probably one of the, a, a small group of players who is are in that big lump of a striker, but also can do pretty much everything. The Erling Haaland's, the Victor Rossermans, the Darwin Nunes kind of profile, that kind of mold. Dusan Vlajevic is one of those, joined Juventus last year, but obviously with Juventus's league position after the penalty, Champions League football potentially looking quite difficult for them. So Dusan Vlajevic wants to play at the top level. And how do we put it, Graham? What, how would we sum it up? What's happening with this player? Because obviously you can read it on nightmin.com. We put a story out over the weekend. Could he be a good fit for United? And how will they go about getting this done if uh, it comes to pass? Yeah, I, I think he'd be a very good fit for United. Well, I said a very good fit for Eric Ten Hag, should I say. You know, we know he likes this big number nine. We saw it with Sebastian Haller. He got the very best out of Haller at Ajax. He clearly, we saw how he lined up against Arsenal with Veghorst. That is clearly, I think, the biggest indication yet, Scott, of how in the long term he wants to play. And if you do want one of those number nines like this, I think Vlaovic is a very, very good fit. 23, um, can hold up the ball well. I, I like this a lot. I can see he's been offered around basically by intermediaries from Juve, letting know his likely likelihood of availability. Juventus, you know, the from what I told, they're probably going to accept try and accept the points for this year, Scott. And then it does mean they're out of the Champions League for next year. But I think they'd rather lose the points this year than starting at minus fifteen or whatever it is um, next season. So yeah, there's a real chance that, that he does go, and he's one of those world class number nines and there's only so many teams as we know who can sign them Scott and if if United do finish top four it opens up a lot of possibilities and Vlavic is one of those and yeah I I, I like it and, and this summer is going to see an awful lot of number nines move it really is with maybe Harry Kane Osimhen as you've said Sesko um, I'll throw another name for abroad Alexander Mitrovic is going to get a lot of attention this summer um, I think Fulham are desperate to keep him, but you know he's getting that point. What more can he do at Fulham? So yeah, I expect quite a few number nines to to be on the move this summer. A lot of clubs wanting them. A lot of players potentially on the move. Kind of a maybe a domino effect. If one mm. gets their top target, then that might affect who mm. another club goes for, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But obviously, Dusan Vlajevic is one of those players who has a massive upside. Like you say, Graham, pretty good fit for Eric Ten Hag. Uh, could be on United's agenda. We'll wait and see. But obviously, his name is out there. And it's a player they've liked and... before, Scott, isn't it? It's just, yeah. They knew, um, even when Arsenal got, they, he wanted to go to Juventus all along, didn't he, at the time? But now, the fact is that he's he's open to the move, I think, is the big thing here. Open to the move. United are looking for that number nine. Obviously, we, we mentioned other clubs there as well. And can't rule Chelsea out, even though I think Champions League football will be a big pull for Vlajevic. But... Chelsea seemingly landing every player under the sun. Can't rule them out of the race either. Uh, but we'll see how this one goes. Uh, as we understand it, Dusan Vlajevic quite has seen what's happening in Old Trafford. Would fancy maybe slotting in there if he was to leave. United have never really been in the mix too seriously because they knew 
last year that Vlajevic was pushing to move to Juventus. Arsenal went for him as well before they signed Gabi Jesus in the summer and ultimately failed to, to land him because of Vlajevic's desire to go to Juventus. But it's not really worked out. And obviously Juventus have a lot of star names in there, but, you know, we don't really know how deep this is going to affect them. Obviously, it doesn't look good on the surface. It's not going well for them in the last couple of weeks either, obviously, outside of the points penalty as well. But Dusan Vlajevic, a name that we should continue to look out for. This one could develop and unravel uh, over the next few months, especially with Man United looking at uh, a takeover, potentially uh, more room in the market. Could the debt that the club have get wiped in the takeover process? Will they get Champions League football to offer potential new players? And we, one thing we... Have we mentioned this yet, Graham? The the kind of money Juventus would be looking for if they were to sell him, and what's their what's their stance on selling? Yeah, I think they they are open to the prospect. They realise that some of their star players don't want to be away from Champions League football, and I think he is one of the more he is probably the most sellable asset there. Yeah, they don't want to lose any money on him, Scott, so they want to get what they paid, which seventy uh, million euros plus ten, I believe. Yeah, which you know that's. And even if they got that sort of deal, that's um, it's a lot of money, but I think it's a fair price for him. Uh, 23, one of the best number nines in world football on his day. So, yeah, I think he, he ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't he? At that age, Scott, I think, um, you know, we saw Kane. I know you like Harry Kane, he'd be a good fit. I'd, as would Ossiman and Sesko play with no United like, but when you add Vlavic into that mix, Scott, I think it's hard not to him have, have him very close to the top of the list, really. I was going to ask Toby this question because I think. I've made out of those four names, Toby. I think Harry Kane makes a lot of sense, but I I would even put Dusan Vlajevic maybe second in that list. We're, in terms of what the the kind of striker United would be looking for, and in terms of the fits, what do you think is best? Yeah, I think Kane undoubtedly is number one for Premier League experience. All the goals that he scored, that's that's the no brainer option. Uh, Vlajevic was very impressive at Fiorentina prior to joining Juventus, and lots of. Clubs took interest and were clamouring for him. Um, I like him. And I think that the thing with him that's a bit unique is that he's primarily left-footed. He's good with both feet, but he's a very good left-footed finisher, but can operate in both channels. Obviously very good centrally and is an out-and-out striker. Um, Whether or not he would adapt to the Premier League as quickly as he may adapt to the Bundesliga, for example, I'm not sure. Um, I actually feel like he could be a very good option for Bayern. I think he could be their next Lewandowski for the next decade, whereas we've spoken about Harry Kane in previous podcasts could be a target for Bayern. That would only be sort of a two or three year deal, you would imagine, Max. Whereas if Flavich went to Bayern instead of United, could be there for eight, nine, ten years, depending on how successful he is. So I think, yes, he would work at United. And I think watching Valt Veghorst's performance against Arsenal, I actually thought he was all right. Um, in terms of the role and what he did in the game. Okay, United you lost... You can obviously see his limitations, though. Yeah, yeah but yeah. You, you get the idea of what Ten Hag was looking for from that performance and what he wanted Vekors to do. And I think Vlahovic would offer similar things with that extra little bit of quality. Uh, United would need Champions League football to attract him. I think that much is obvious. And the fee may be a little steep if Juventus are looking to recoup what they paid. That is a lot of money. Um, with Harry Kane, you're guaranteed the goal success with Vlaovic. It's moving to another country and you don't have that shoe-in factor. But 
I think he's an option that United should absolutely consider, given his Juventus future is looking far from certain. Obviously, we mentioned Chelsea could potentially come into the mix as well, as they want to sign every single player in the world. Let's let's move on to a, a big Chelsea section, uh, because the next three players that I've got in my list are relevant to Chelsea. So let's start with Anthony Gordon. Uh, should we do a bit on Everton first, because Everton have sacked Frank Lampard, obviously, and there's what what's going on there toby you you watched everton the other day they were terrible as you've mentioned to to lose to west ham so convincingly is no mean feat <laughs> yeah uh, the, the writing's been on the wall for lampard at everton for a number of weeks hasn't he he's not the root cause of the problem their spending and general setup is the root cause of the problem but they were pretty awful and they have been for weeks i think they've lost 9 out of their last 12 Premier League games. So he had to go. Um, just be interesting to see what direction Everton go in now, because I think this might be one of the biggest messes in Premier League history in terms of someone's got to go in, keep that team up, number one, and then somehow formulate a plan for the future. Bearing in mind they're moving to a new stadium, what, in 18 months' time, they're meant to be moving there. There's a whole load of Money that still needs to go towards that. I think it's approaching 250 million gram, I want to say, perhaps in terms of debt for that stadium. There is so much to sort out and you've got to find a manager who can address things on the field as well as those behind the scenes issues. Plenty. Uh, Plenty of options for Everton, Graham. Although a little bit muddled, I think for me, like Jamie Carragher on Monday Night Football called them the worst run club in the country. Uh, I think... Pretty indicative of that is that everybody knew Lampard had gone on Monday afternoon and Everton didn't confirm it until like eight o'clock <laughs> that night. So uh, what what are Everton looking at, Graham? It's a really interesting situation. I'm told I'm told that Tim Cahill is involved in the process with Bill, Bill Carrot and Mashiri. I'm not sure how much their director of football, Kevin Felwell, is involved, which is a surprising um, feature if that is the case. Uh, but yeah, with Tim Cahill, um, I think he played a role in, in, in Lampard in the first instance, from memory serves me, correct? But yeah, um, they obviously didn't have anyone lined up to, before axing Lampard. And yeah, it, it's a bit, it's a bit of a mess. You know, they, they looked at likes of Sean Dyche, Duncan Ferguson, who would probably want a job um, for longer than the end of the season. He'd want a job himself, Wayne Rooney. Um, previously he didn't want to interview, he wanted a job straight away from Derby, so he's um he may be available um to come back home from from DC. Um it, and it linked after Marcelino. Lots of lots of options out there. Match Bielsa, Bielsa has made contact through intermediaries, a lot of intermediaries acting on his behalf. He's made it known he'd like a job, but I'm I'm told there's an awful lot of work to do there to get him in. If if he is the one, it looks like he is the one who's caught their attention, caught their eye. Yeah, and, and we'll see. If he did come in, be a huge gamble. Um, as you know, I'm not um um Bielsa lover in the fact that like the last job he did, he took leads to the brink of relegation. So I guess he he was heavily involved in a relegation battle. So if that's on his CV, um, so be it. He might does he finish the job and take Everton down, which he uh, he built on leads before he had the chance to do it. So. In um, fairness to Bielsa, I mean, he did bring Leeds up after right. nearly 20 years. So he did nothing at Leeds. I thought Karanka didn't do it at Middlesbrough. 
and and crank a build up before he got his relegated as well. Um, I I don't see it, Scott. I really don't see it. I think he maybe uh, the one thing I see from him, he does get the best out of some what he did at Leeds, which I did like. He does get some good performance out of some middling players. You know, we saw Luke Ayling, who'd have thought at one point that he would become a, a proper Premier League player, which he did. So I think that's where Everton could benefit from him, where there are a lot of players there who just aren't up to the standard. But Bielsa could transform some of those players. But does he have the time for him to do yeah, that? Yeah, that, that was my question. I mean, that, it'd be a massive risk for me. I think, and this was my criticism of Everton when they signed Lampard in the first place, is, yeah, you might want this idealist to come in, but the immediate concern is keeping the team in the division. I know that Lampard managed to do that last year, but it's never really kicked on for Everton. I think Everton are going to need to look at solidifying their status and potentially starting afresh next season, but we'll we'll see. Maybe they'll go with a, a new manager on an 18-month, two-and-a-half-year contract or something like that. But what, what about potential players who will play for whichever manager it is at Everton, Anthony Gordon is the the one I'm talking about. Wanted by Newcastle, wanted by Chelsea. Chelsea want everyone. Do they want Anthony Gordon this month? And what will happen, Graham? To be fair, obviously, as we know, Chelsea were in for Gordon last summer. They liked him, as Newcastle did. And and yeah, they both like him. Newcastle are preparing a bid. We understand that Chelsea are hovering. They are keeping abreast of the situation, so don't rule them out. At Newcastle at the front of the front of this queue though, and we got we got to see how much the bid. Everton uh, willing, from what we understand, to listen to offers for God. And now he wasn't even playing on the Lampard, was he? Really, he didn't come off the bench. Did he Toby at the weekend? I don't think. So I, I and what I'm told, Eddie Howe and his staff have done the homework on Gordon. They've liked what they've heard. They think he can be a good fit. And you know, he, he got a lot of stick for the bid from. Chelsea, etc. But he he didn't make a bid. He he's a very talented footballer. I think it could end up being quite a shrewd deal if Newcastle get us over the line. They want someone with to bolster that forward line with Premier League experience. He has played over sixty games now. He's only twenty one. I think it's going to be a very interesting deal for Newcastle. I don't think he'd be the only one to go fast. They'll think they want Hakim Ziyech as well. But I think Gordon could be a very interesting deal. I think they will have to go over thirty million to get him. But I. I it's a risk, but I think it's a risk worth taking. I think he's got to play with a very high ceiling for me. So that's Gordon. What mm-hmm. about Chelsea in general? Because, like we say, there's a well, week if... left of the transfer window. <laughs> well, how many start... players are they going to sign? Well, ever start done with this? Intriguingly, um, they are considering letting um, Andrea Nana go, the midfielder who came from 33 million from Lille last summer, has. Um, some people love him. I think he's a bit of a Marmite player, actually. We discussed this off part, didn't we? You like him, Scott. I'm not so sure. Um, Toby saw him play horrendously at the weekend. Um, he's an interesting player. Um, he'll carry a price tag of 50 million. Um, Newcastle and Arsenal have both been in touch. A lot of a lot of teams looking for this number six type player, isn't there, in the Premier League, as well as a as a forward. So Arsenal and Newcastle are very much keeping abreast of this. I don't think either of them would pay. I think we can confirm neither of those are going to pay 50 million for him this 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 month. One team who we know probably would and is thinking about it is Chelsea. And they do want this other midfielder. We've seen it. We reported on the show last week, didn't we? That they'd failed with inquiries for Frank Kessie, uh, Bissouma, and Caicedo. So it's probably not a huge surprise looking around. Um and it's Onana who's coming up. Um, in their on their red out the minute. So yeah, another yet another Chelsea possibility is Onana, um, who 
yeah, it, it, it's it's getting hard and hard to defend Mr. Burley, but he's uh, he's entertain he's entertaining on the least. But yeah, I'm I've liked some of the deals he's done, and we'll like another player we're going to talk about. I like him a lot. Another two players we're going to talk about. I do like them. I'm just not convinced by Onana, and not at fifty million. Toby, are, are Chelsea just going on the player search screen on Football Manager, uh, putting highest value to the top? Yeah, looking down the list and then hitting player name, ask agent about availability, and then you get your kind of price range, and then you're I like, oh, this is how much it's going to cost. I think they're even going more detailed than that. They're doing current ability and then potential ability because they are they're just ticking off names at the moment, aren't they? And they're going through a list of players who are all quite similar in profile, but there doesn't seem to be actual like any strategy behind why they're suddenly going after them. It's kind of a flavor of the month kind of thing. Um, and it is like building a football manager shortlist where you put 30 players on there and then you see which one is available for said price. Um, I don't really know what they're doing, to be honest. Why Chelsea are potentially retaining an interest in Anthony Gordon, I will never know. I said months ago that I didn't think he was that great. Um, I know he has got some good elements to his game, but I'm not so big on him having a big future. I think he could be a decent, established Premier League player, but even at Newcastle, he would be an Orion Fraser upgrade. But then in 18 months time, when Newcastle have pushed on a bit more, he's not going to be in that team. They'll be looking to upgrade from him again. And at Chelsea, given they've brought in Mudrik and Modweke and others, I can't see how he fits into that puzzle. It just makes no sense whatsoever. Um, Newcastle looking for someone to play in that left left forward role. It's when, um, and we saw it in the last game, they need someone to unlock these defences. So we know James Madison's obviously a long-term target, etc. But as good as Almiron has been in the last nine games and and as average as Sam Maxman is, they, they sometimes do lack that ability to unlock defences. We've seen it quite a few times in Newcastle where um, they're relying on other players to to get them. And I think that's what they're hoping someone like Gordon could bring or Zayic. Um Need that someone just to unlock teams. So I think that's what they're looking at. And um yeah, it's in, I think it is a it's a bit un, un Newcastle like Toby as you say, but I, it's it, he is again one of these players I quite like him. I think when he made the breakthrough, I think he's got a lot of potential. What about Chelsea's alternative midfield options then? Because they've tried to get Enzo Fernandez from Benfica this month. Failed for when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First time around, are they back in? How many are they looking for one midfielder? And it's going to be a case of Onana. I know we spoke about Romeo Lavia, mm. uh, Enzo Fernandez. There's a ton of them, and we'll talk about their right back options in a second. But let's do the midfielders. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I think Enzo is different. I think he's seen as the, you know, I, he, he, I think their ambition is to play one holding midfielder rather than two going forward. Um, I think that's the way they're looking at it, and I think they see maybe a Gallagher, a Gallagher Fernandez, or more likely a Mason Mountain Fernandez midfield with someone holding, 
Um, obviously, I'm not sure anyone Chelsea could answer that question, but I think Fernandez and the defensive midfielder, if we could do it, and yet yeah, the talks are back on, back on for Fernandez. We're told from people close to deal that the lines of communication with Benfica never came to an end, Scott. And I think obviously with George Mendes involved, he's just been telling Chelsea to keep keep the powder dry. And this deal wasn't that far away. You know, it all collapsed, and Benfica said, "No, we want that deposit. We want that uh, release clause." The main thing was, and let's let's remember, at one point Benfica were willing to talk, they were willing to take instalments. It's that first instalment, whereas Chelsea wanted maybe a 40-40-40 equal split. No, Benfica wanted a 60 or 80 up, up front. And if Chelsea are willing to do that, then this deal still has legs. We'll see. Uh, never say never with Chelsea. What about... Uh potential alternatives to Reese James has struggled with injury for, for most of the season uh, makes a big difference when he's not there. Chelsea haven't been great this year and they, there's no coincidence that when Reese James comes back in, they look a bit better as a team. Malo Gusto is a, a Leon player who has had some interest from Man United uh, on the list of a few different clubs. Uh, good prospect as well. Chelsea looking at this deal too, Graham. Yeah, it's very similar to to James. We we did it in October, Scott, and we revealed the Premier League interest in Malagusto. Um, a player full of running, a lot of ability, um, a lot of Premier League uh, fans. And we did a piece on, on 90min.com at the weekend about Chelsea that right back is still I know we talk about Chelsea, but right back is something they've wanted all January. Denzel Dumfries is a player that the like has been pushing them by Inter. But it seems the if you brought Dumfries in it would raise eyebrows, isn't it? Because is he going to, you know, that's a real, someone of not, not level ability with James, but he's not a million miles away, is he? You know, he's a very good established right back. So, and, and we've seen the issues with Cucurella um, on the left. So I think they're, they're looking at a younger version and I think Gusto is one of the best out there. I'm surprised they haven't gone for Fresneda, the for Valladolid fullback who Arsenal still like. But yeah, Gusto is the one. And um, the Leon ideally would like to keep this lad on loan. That's the issue at the moment that Chelsea want him now to come in, back up Reese James and to play. But Leon would like him to stay on loan in France for the rest of the season. So that's where the talks are at the minute. And it's a growing confidence so that Chelsea could well get this lad done um in the next week, Scott. That that's the feeling around that Gusto deal for me. I saw him for Leon against West Ham in the Europa League last year and I thought, Oh, God, oh this- did you, Toby? I did, because oh, we you? were in Europe, mate, just to remind everybody. Um we beat them as well. He was really good in that home leg. And I thought, I can't believe this boy is only 18. Um, he feels too good for me to go to Chelsea and play understudy to Reese James. And I know there's a lot of games and there's a lot of rotation. And I'm and sure James has played minutes, centre half. But... He's played right centre half as well. well as that, his options. That's what makes me think that there might be an alternative plan. Because I don't think Malagusto sitting on the bench would do Chelsea any favours. I think he is good enough to play if he goes there. And it's do you use Reese James in an alternative kind of Kyle Walker role, but does that waste Reese James's ability going forward as well, potentially? But um he I would go for him over Denzel Dumfries, I think, all day long, because I think the thing with Dumfries is that he's a right wing back. That's where he excels, I reckon, in a back four. He perhaps doesn't have the defensive attributes, a bit like a Trent Alexander Arnold's good going one way, a bit susceptible going the other way. Um, I think he may narrow Chelsea's formation options if they go down that route. But I guess Chelsea are just trying to poke the bear and see which player they can actually get hold of um, at this stage. 
Let's talk on the continued topic of right wing backs and Spurs' hunt for a potential new right back, right wing back. Uh, obviously, this has been something that Spurs have been looking to address for a long time. Uh, whatever happens with Antonio Conte in the next six months, I mean, I think we've had this conversation before. I, I make it unlikely that he stays at the moment, but you never know. Uh, has a contract there. Spurs showing a, showing a little sign last night that maybe they'll turn things around and get back in the mix. Uh, but they've been chasing Nicolo Zaniolo for a while. And this month, Pedro Porro has been the one who I think most Spurs fans look at and think, oh, I'd like him. So where where are Spurs with the this pursuit at the moment, Graham? Yeah, can comment. They do want both players, Scott. They want Zaniolo and Porro. Zaniolo likely to be alone and then with an obligation of some sort. But yeah, he's available and they're keen on doing that. Porro is a player, yeah, they've liked all window. As they were getting a bit sick of Ruben Amarin, every news, I'm sure he is as well, every news conference he has to come out and say, I'm keeping him unless you pay the release clause, etc. However, as we said before, there is people within Spartan's hierarchy who want to take this deal. Um, at the moment, it's about 37 million euros plus a player. We don't know who that is. I think basically they've got the pick of a few at Tottenham reserves. But a point that was raised to me by a Portuguese source this morning was Sporting, I think Sporting hierarchy are looking to sell now because if Poro's progress continues, he's just only going to get better and better. But Manchester City have a buyback of just 20 million euros on this player. And that is the worry. You know, if he continues his progress um, at the pace he is now, that 45 million euros might not be worth the paper it's written on because if City bring him back for 20, not necessarily to use him, although given Cancelo's situation, you wouldn't rule out Poro maybe going back. Um, I think that's the worry. It's in a really interesting situation, Spartan. So I think with that in mind, I think Tottenham are fairly confident they could get him as well. We'll see about this one. Uh, I'll reel off another name for you, Graham. Weston McKenney. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously been linked with a number of uh, Premier League moves in the in the recent past. Could we see this US international rocking up in the in the Prem before the end of the month? He's been offered to a lot of clubs, Scott. Um, over the weekend, I understand that um, Intermediaries working for UV and him have made it clear to a number, most of the Premier League, he's available, likely loan. Um, he's probably not in the long-term plans at UV, he knows that. And there's a few teams who've, who've nibbled at it. Um, Leeds, um, Aston Villa, Newcastle as well. Basically, we're, we're naming the same teams out with these teams who need this midfielder. Leeds are an interesting one. Uh, remember we talked about Azdin Unani, the Moroccan who they asked him for. That deal is still being talked about. I still think he's going to end up at Napoli because Napoli are willing, like Gusto, to leave him in France. So I think Napoli is still firm favourites there. And Leeds, for some, he, he does want another midfielder. I'm not, I'm not sure why, particularly, because I think Adams and Rocker is are pretty good. And um, Unani might be an upgrade on that. I don't think McKenney is, but... Um, he's one who who leads have an interest in as well. Um, Arsenal. I think Jesse Marsh well. is looking to recreate that US MNT midfield. I I was just going to add: mm. Is there any player that Jesse Marsh has not worked with that Leeds are wanting to go after? It does feel like he's just bringing in. He always talks about characters, doesn't he, Jesse Marsh? Yeah. Players who buy into a certain philosophy in the team, but you can't just build a team around people you know. Surely. Did you but see it... his his list of rules or? team objectives floating around there was a poster floating around over the weekend if you haven't seen it already there's apparently a a picture of what he's put on the wall in the Leeds dressing room 
I can't, I haven't verified this. This is social media speculation, but I will share it with you after the show. If you've seen it or if you haven't seen it yet, just uh, maybe have a search for it on Twitter. Anyway, back to it. Yeah, it's a really interesting. Can he take, can he afford to take another American? I'm not so sure. West, you know, Rocker, I like Rocker. I like Tyler Adams. And obviously of, of that American midfield trio, um, the one you would really want is Moussa and he's not getting that one. So, um yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, he's going to come in on loan. He's going to try and earn himself a long way to move to the Premier League. Amazingly, Chelsea aren't interested at the moment, Scott. Um, you'll be delighted to hear a player they're not really into. Um, Liverpool, again, often linked to McKenney at the start of his career anyway. They liked him a lot. Doesn't seem that they're interested at this moment in time. That might, there's a week to go, so that might change as well. But as it stands, no. A lot of teams who, who, who are looking at McKenney as option number two. So if they do fail to get that first choice, I think there's a fairly decent chance McKenney could end up here. It might be one of those last day ones though, where um, Lone Dale agreed and he comes in. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he does end up in the Premier League where. Don't can't say for certain just yet. Let's move to West Ham United. Irons in the fire section. Toby Toby's had a, a bit of a niggling cough, uh, which might hinder his. Uh, yeah, his, I'm not. I'm going to keep ability to. Yeah, a nice two-minute segment here, but you off, can probably hear you can hear the husk in my voice. I've been coughing for about three weeks, so uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, West Ham. I think we've spoken about it on previous podcasts. Forward and centre-back remain a desire to bring in. Danny Ings came in at the back end of last week in a deal that kind of accelerated within about 12, 18 hours. On the surface, a really good signing for West Ham, a 15 million deal all in. Um, Problem is he picked up an injury at the weekend against Everton. So he's going to be sidelined for a couple of weeks at least. I know, who would have thought it? It isn't a muscle injury. I think that's the good news for West Ham. It was an impact injury after he came on as a sub. But him coming in adds added firepower to West Ham and they they need it because Gianluca Scamacca is also sidelined as well. There's kind of varying information about how serious his injury is. I think West Ham keeping their cards close to their chest in terms of how long he could be out for. But we've been told it could be as much as six, possibly even 10 weeks that he's sidelined. Um, so West Ham really needing to assess their options. Uh, sources have told us that a bid went in last week for Santos striker and football manager Wonderkid, Marcos Leonardo, uh, 18 years old, exceptionally talented prospect, has been linked with Liverpool in the past. Uh, we understand a bid went in, but that's been turned down. And there's also tentative interest in Vitor Roque, who's also a Brazilian wonder kid from Football Manager. So if you play that game, you probably know these two players quite well. But West West Ham Ham play Football Manager by any chance? Possibly. I honestly think that teams are starting to hire scouts and recruitment analysts and they factor in what Football Manager scouts are doing because that's where a lot of teams get their information. Um. These two it's a, guys. It is, a, it is a very good source for the basics, like data births. I do know some clubs do use it for for because because even in England for youth players, because you know that whoever's doing that work for the youth teams, it is accurate information. It is quite a good resource in terms of not obviously not the big names, but when you're looking at a, a youth player at Halifax or something, you know the data births right because it's a Halifax fan doing it. And same with uh, Rocket, it's a Brazilian young Brazilian person who uh, who's Peronese is yet. Toby, he yeah. was doing that. So, 
yeah, Graham would know. Teams do use it. Teams do use it. Rock, obviously, Vitor Roque is seventeen, Toby, so he uh, he would have to wait to move, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, like he the, the mighty injury. Indeed. Um, so I'm not sure those two players are going to be coming out of Brazil just yet, but West Ham have done a lot of scouting in South America. They're the two names that have come to the fore of late. But Terran Moffi of Lorient is still an option. Nisa also in for him. It's our inclination that he probably wants to stay in Liga and it might be a bit of a difficult deal for West Ham to do. And as I said, another centre-back is still on the agenda. If possible, Craig Dawson's move to Wolves was finally sanctioned after their game at the weekend. So he'll be fondly or sorely missed, I should say, by West Ham fans. Um, one of the best bargains of recent times, only cost two million and did a really good job for the club. You mentioned there, Toby, uh, South American prospects and football manager. Man City have picked one up this week as well. Maximo Peroni uh, from Vélez Sarsfield has arrived. Uh, I know that we, we've we covered this story, Graham, uh, for a while, he had interest from in other clubs as well, right? Yeah, but um, seemingly City were all over this. I think January 2nd, we did a piece on it. Um, um, obviously, Vela's tried the best to deny it, but yeah, City were always in the mix for this guy and and they've confirmed they got a deal over line. Uh, will we, will it see him go out on loan? I think, interesting with City, we, we need to keep an eye on Palermo. I think Palermo are going to become more more heavily involved with City, where City see that as... Um, Another step up from a from a Girona, etc. I don't think it'll be long before we see Palermo in Syria. And then so that just gives them an extra level where you can send the players on loan. Um or even, you know, if if loan deals are cut down, you can send them on a transfer and transfer them back, you know, the way Nazi and Watford do it so successfully. So it's an interesting one. Yeah, keep an eye on Palermo when it comes to City. But yeah, this guy's um a terrific talent and City are Getting pretty good at landing these South Americans, as a lot of Premier League clubs are, you know. Where I think we did a piece on site this week, didn't we, Toby? Why are Premier League clubs signing so many South Americans? And um, yeah, um, whilst Brexit may not be popular in some parts of Britain, in the terms of the Premier League, it is very popular. Go and read that if you're uh, at all unsure as to why this is happening. I know, going back to Football Manager, I'm trying to sign players to come to Italy, and Premier League clubs just keep blowing me out of the water. Uh, and it's a problem. Uh, but yes, uh, keep an eye out for that one uh, and keep an eye out for t- some other potential football manager uh, stars on their way to the Premier League because this, is this isn't going to stop. This is going to keep going and keep mm. going and keep going. I think City are among the clubs who are getting really good at it, as you mentioned, Graham. Uh, final story I've got today, Milan Skriniar. Uh, we have touched mm. on this a number of times over the last few months. Did he get sent off at the weekend? I didn't see. I know they won the Super Copper a week ago, but I don't know what they did at the weekend. I know they won the Super Copper, didn't they? Uh, they beat Milan. They did. They lost to Empoli at the weekend and Milan Skriniar was sent off. Indeed. Interesting week for him. Yeah, it lifts the trophy and then does that because they they actually take the Super Copper quite seriously, don't they? Don't they? Um, yeah, one of the one of the pod favourites, Scott Milan Screen. Yeah, um, a lot of free agents moving this summer. We've seen Depay is a free agent who's off the market now. He's got an Atletico. You sell for Makuku. Um, as we said last week, he got that last offer from Dortmund and he's accepted it now. But Skriniar, as we have alluded to since around October, and Inter, it shows you. 
not to not believe somebody's called, but Inter have been confident about this guy for the last six months about signing his contract. Um, and it's come to pass now. It's been confirmed. Uh, confirmed our story that he is rejected Inter's offer. And it's not just about money because Inter's offer, but, but it just wasn't anywhere near what what one of the best cent- central defenders in the world can get. It just really wasn't anywhere near. PSG have always loved this guy. They've been in for him since last summer. Um, Christophe Galtier, um, I think it is, who's confirmed PSG's interest in him um, again in this week. But there is a lot, a lot of English clubs looking at this guy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if United, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, any of them come in and just on a free transfer, they're all they're all throwing the hats into the ring on this one. They're not expecting it. They weren't expecting him to be really a free agent. He is, and yeah. So keep an eye on this one. I think we'll see a lot of Premier League interests come up in next in the next few weeks. Because screening out, why why would he accept? I find it hard to believe he'd accept PSG without having already looked at the market. So these Premier clubs, league clubs, are going to be making it known what he could earn in England, and there might be quite mouth-watering figures for him. Now is the time for him to move, isn't it? Just thinking 20, about twenty-seven. We thought like Rudiger was one of the best free agents of all time, but he was twenty-nine. Screening yeah. out twenty-seven, really at the peak of his powers. He really is. Wow. I'm just thinking about the comparison with Koulibaly we spoke earlier, mm. who probably held on at Napoli for two, three years too long. If Skriniar signed another deal, that would probably eliminate him from a move to a mm. top club when he's at his absolute best. Now is the time for him to move on. And I think the clamour for every big club to be looking at him and wanting to sign him shows just how good he is. Okay. Interesting you mentioned Koulibaly. Keep an eye on him as a potential long-term replacement for Skriniar because Koulibaly is not having a good time in England. And he is one who Inter are considering. On uh, on Skriniar, his agent has uh, confirmed, as it stands, that he will not be signing a new contract. He said, at the moment, no, that is not a possibility. I think uh, this one's pretty set in stone, barring some kind of miracle. Uh, the truth is that a decision to put Milan Skriniar on the market was taken by Inter over the summer, not by the player. It was a decision from the club that led to negotiations between Inter and PSG. At a certain stage, the negotiations were interrupted and the player accepted without problems. In the autumn, we replied to all the requests made by the club. And after a series of preliminary meetings, we presented our economic request. After that, in November, Inter presented their proposal. Uh, circa a month later, before Christmas, I told Inter our decision not to set, accept that proposal. I confirmed that decision in January. When I also uh, informed directors Beppe Marotta and Pier- Piero Usilio that we considered ourselves free to listen to offers from other clubs. So he can talk to other clubs yeah. from now, uh, even Premier League clubs. Like you say, I, I really think that if there's a uh, look at Man United, for example, who are probably going to look to continue to revamp their defense over the next few years. And mm-hmm. if you're looking at potentially shipping off Harry Maguire somewhere in the summer and you're a little bit bare in certain positions at the moment, securing Milan Scrini are on a free and potentially raising some money elsewhere might not be the worst idea in the world. But Milan Skriniar, his future's I, up I in the air. I think the top four is massive, Scott. You know, if um, and I, th- I genuinely, I'm told like top seven, eight in England are all looking at this, even including including Newcastle as well. You know, if, if Newcastle get top four, who knows what they could offer a player like Skriniar? You know, it's um, it, it's a player who, yeah, he's just too good not to go for, isn't he? He's just too good not to make an offer to. Well, ordinarily, you'd be paying what minimum 70 80 million euros if he was under contract and you've got the opportunity what, what, to pick what him did, up for free yeah what did Delic go for well he was close to 100 wasn't he yeah it's all around that figure and, and you'd money. say Massive yeah tw- for 27 to he could be one of the best 
Bosman freeze we've ever seen so far. Yeah, we'll see where Milan Skriniar ends up. Like we say, there's another week or so left of the transfer window. Transfer deadline day will be pretty chaotic. I'm sure Chelsea will be right at the front of the queue, <laughs> uh, dropping a ton of money, getting this first team squad up to about 40 players, and then they'll work out what they, whatever they want to do before they sign another 10 in the summer. Uh, we'll see. Eh? Uh, plenty plenty going on, plenty to sink your teeth into. Keep an eye out on nightyamin.com for all of the latest uh, in the remaining days and the remaining week of the transfer window from all of us at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey uh, to follow us on the socials as well. So we'll drop whatever we put out on there. So keep an eye out on that and follow us as well. And like I say, nightmin.com for all the latest. And this has been Talking Transfers. We'll be back, no doubt, before the transfer window closes and we'll talk through what could maybe happen on deadline day Maybe things will start to work quickly. Everton looking for a new manager. Maybe they'll have someone in place in the coming days. We will wait and see. But we'll be back very soon with another Talking Transfers. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.